Marcus, thank you so much for joining, hopping on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm pretty excited to uh, be a part of this. Yeah, I'm. Hear uh, what you have to ask? <laughs> I'm stoked. This is uh, this is my second virtual podcast, so uh, I'm I'm not as uh, well versed in the Skype, but uh, I think it'll be fun. Nice. <laughs> yeah, should be fun. Yeah. So where are you coming to us from? I'm in uh, Durango, Colorado. Okay. Have you have yeah. you lived there your whole life? Uh, I've lived here since '99, so I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas, originally. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, kind of migrated up here in my early 20s, working as a climbing guide, and kind of just fell in love with the place and spent my time here and then down in in Yosemite and then down in Patero Chico until I found I got married and had a child and made this my permanent home for us. And then uh, yeah, recently, I mean, divorced now, but uh, yeah, my daughter's off to college, so it's been 20 years. Wow, <laughs> so, all over the place. Yeah. All over the place, yeah. Uh, one of my yeah. friends who I recently had on here, he uh, he's from Texas as well, and he's a very very yeah. talented climber and very good route setter. That's actually what he does for his job now. Oh, okay. Um, but I never even realized that there was climbing in Texas. Yeah, it's actually. I mean, I grew up in for Texas, but you know, kind of split between uh, Chain of Rock and uh, down in Austin, and then the Wichita Mountains, which is in Oklahoma, and that's kind of where I got really cut my teeth in climbing is where I was really introduced to it. And I was introduced to trad climbing before sport climbing. Oh, okay. Because so, I, I was about yeah. to ask you, what got you into climbing? Yeah, what got me into is like, I was probably 13 and a friend of mine, I actually took Taekwondo from, and it was a, a neighborhood friend that asked me to, if I wanted to go try climbing. And like, oh, this sounds kind of cool. So I went out to this little crag in Weatherford, Texas, of all places called <laughs> Mineral Wells. And, uh, you know, and like, started climbing had no idea what ratings were we just kind of like with well, these guys are climbing this i should be able to do this so yeah. that's kind of what i started and i actually started in climbing like 510s 511s right off the bat oh wow um, that's awesome. it's kind of where i was but i have a really strong background in athletics so i played like football soccer track i was a power lifter um so yeah i was kind of an all-around athlete okay and so, so then you kinda, just yeah translated that into the climbing yeah, into the climbing, and then when I was like 16, 17, started doing, uh, I did my first climbing competition uh, back in the day before there was like, you know, youth and adult, it was just all grouped as intermediate, advanced, or elite, right. and I remember entering my first comp in advanced category, and kind of climbed all the routes, onsided all the routes, and then they bumped me up to the men's elite division, and then I was like, had to go in isolation for my first time, and the youngest kid in there, and there was all these guys that read in magazines about it stuff that's and, crazy and that's kind of what like grew my passion for the competition side because these guys were just amazing mentors they just like like hey this is how it works they you know set me down even though we're competing with each other they were all supportive and like you know yeah went out there and got my butt spanked but it was just so much fun <laughs> that's <laughs> so, that's awesome yeah and was yeah. this this was probably before the time of indoor climbing gyms really booming right so was the competition yeah. outside no, it was still inside. Oh, it was. It was just in a small climbing gym in uh, 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 Arlington, Texas, called okay. Rock. It was a small gym there. And, uh, you know, it's all these names and people. Just It was just kind of right when the competition scene was kind of booming, starting. And gyms were just booming as well. They are just starting to grow, you know. There's right. three or four gyms around the area. So, yeah. Dang, that's, so, that's crazy that you got into it at such a young age and that you – 
got to such a high level at such a young age too with not really any experience in it yeah that's kind of like you know now i've been coaching a lot of kids and it's like i kind of use what i've learned through trial and error and a lot of failures to show them like it's okay to fail but you you know your guys are in a good spot to really learn what really climbing is about first i really teach about the philosophy of climbing and you know how it is on a personal and spiritual side and then the physical aspects and allow allow, allow people to kind of take it from there so right well, yeah because that's what climbing was for me it was more spiritual side and the adventure side how was it spiritual yeah. to you I, for me, it was a way to really connect with myself, you know, internally and process, do a lot of stuff. You know, growing up as a kid, I wasn't like, didn't have the best of life and that kind of stuff. And yeah. it was just a way of like, this is all for me here. And then I have the support of these amazing guys below me, belaying me. So it was that core, you know, community of support. Right. And it's, it's also you're putting your life in someone else's hands and it allows you to... <clears throat> put all of your trust in someone and it also allows you to escape um yes because this was probably before you know instagram and social media yeah. so you you really got to really escape when doing a sport like that because it's so rural and out there yeah and that's i guess someone had asked me before why did i like to climb and for me it was like it's it's really the it was the main time or the most important time that i was able to um have a moment of my own mind mm inside you know i can only i can be at peace with myself inside even though sometimes physically i'm battling internally right. i'm kind of at peace yeah it yeah, is it is just... definitely one of those weird sports where it's extremely physically demanding but it requires you to have this very still mind and very calm sense about you because if you go into it with this rushed mentality and this intensity that you maybe would uh, on a football field you're yeah. probably not going to complete the route. You know, it's not going to be right. successful. Mm -hmm. um, but so you've done a lot of the competition climbing. What is a different, like what's a favorite type of climb that you do now? Because competition climbing and like alpine climbing, for those who don't know, I mean, there's yeah. tons of variations in climbing. There's so many variations. Yeah. In, uh, Which is one I'm, of the great I'm things fortunate. about it. It is, and that's one thing I'm. I'm fortunate I've been able to do all aspects of climbing, from mountaineering, alpine, you know, light and fast, speed climbing, and what really draws me now is this sense of adventure and um, just going out and climbing long, fun routes, like big wall routes, big wall free routes is like my kind of like what I really like. Whether okay. it's big wall ice climbing, big wall free routes, routes that are like four or five pitch routes. And know, that's and I, how long does something like that usually take? It could take all day, you know, like a full 15 hours. It could take like four or five hours. It kind of just depends on what grades we're climbing, you know, right. first, like, you know, if it's a grade four, grade five, or, you know, 511, 512, 510, 5'9". Um, and for me, it's not really about the grades. It's just about going, getting out and having the adventures. Um, it's kind of what I like. Yeah, and so. that's, it's it requires a different physical strength as well because, something that's a long endurance climb like that it's not just quick and easy you know you have to endure the yeah. elements and especially yeah. if you're sleeping out on a portal edge or something you're exposed to more elements and uh I, yeah i feel like that like there's so many different variations of climbing as we just said and each of them has the parts that make them really challenging and i think the alpine climbing the mountaineering i think that's really interesting because you're putting yourself in a position 
that's potentially dangerous because you're probably off the grid and you're further away from people and you're doing longer yeah. trips. And uh, that, that I think that's the most impressive climbing to me. Yeah, I mean, and mountaineering too, but just it's just that kind of self-sufficient. Like you got to be 100% self-sufficient. And I think that's why I really like for it, like about it. And I'm pretty drawn to uh, doing like kind of more remote stuff. Like, well, not really so remote, but like the Black Canyon or going out to the desert and doing stuff where there's not a lot of people. Yeah. It's kind of what lately I've been drawn to. I don't know if I'm becoming more introverted or <laughs> I just kind of like being like out there sometimes and like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go away. And then now I've been getting into, um, well, Back into peak running, I used to do a lot of adventure racing uh, back when I was younger, which means I would do like 100 to 200 to 300, sometimes four or 500 mile races. Oh my gosh. And stuff. And, and now I'm getting back into just the trail aspect of it and doing peak running. And it's kind of like what I, my new passion is lately. So yeah. so what is peak running? Because I, I, I love running and I love the mountains. Um, Obviously, I live in Florida, so it's a little hard to get to them. But <laughs> it is something that uh, when I'm in them, it's when I feel my my most self. I feel alive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, what is this peak running that you're now <clears throat> doing? Yeah. So, peak running is kind of like you know, basically finding a peak, whether it's a, a walk up or more of a technical, maybe like a scramble, or it could uh-huh. be like a five two, five three, or up to. Um, luckily, here we have some five eight routes that require like a you know. 11 mile approach in climb 11 mile run back out kind of stuff so okay um but then we have some stuff that are like two or three miles off where it's going up and climbing like a ridge um up to like 13 14 000 feet and then running back down and that kind of stuff wow then, so now i've been kind of like trying to link a bunch of peaks and yeah it's kind of like kind of combining two passions i love climbing and, and running trail running not so much road running. I'm not a road runner. <laughs> yeah, I'm not marathon pace, but it's just getting out there and it's constantly moving. Yeah, and and you know, and and kind of those mental awareness and self challenges throughout the day. I think you gotta, like constantly be checking in with yourself. Totally. I think uh, <laughs> I think creating challenges for yourself is one of the most <clears throat> important and uh, underrated things that we can do as people. Yeah, because when you challenge yourself and you do make yourself do something that's really tough when you come and face adversity in real life it seems easier yeah. because you can just think oh i just did whatever it was and it was 100 times harder i mean i had my life on the line so this is going to be a breeze yeah um yeah it is like that and then um, i mean it's this just to uh kind of reverberate on that it's like for me personally i've had a awakening for like as an athlete i can be totally physically vulnerable but the emotional vulnerability side was really a struggle and i think a lot of athletes and people themselves have that and that's kind of what i've been building upon and doing these talks about lately is like that kind of fear you know where where the fear fear actually stems from that what their true meaning of vulnerability is so so what is that to you to me, it's just really learning to check in with yourself and be open to the struggles you're having internally, as well as physically. Like, oh yeah, this is I'm not feeling this right now. I shouldn't do this, you know. And that checking with the ego is the mm. big thing, you know, dropping it and like being completely open to your weaknesses and seeing how to make them your new strengths and that kind of stuff. Totally, I uh, I, I know what you mean, and there's things that uh, I notice in my own physical 
workouts and all that like weaknesses I have so now it's not so much avoiding them but it's trying to convert them into a strength and trying yeah. to change it so that I can be better yep exactly yeah 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 and this and that's the thing like that whole connection with yourself you know and that's where it comes back to what climbing was really what I was really drawn to about climbing is just connecting with yourself yeah and climbing yeah. I mean you have to be so self-aware in your body to be successful at it because mm-hmm. it works every single muscle group every part of you and if you're not aware of the best way that your body moves or how everything's yeah. connected it's not going to be successful yeah exactly so <laughs> yeah and i think that the trail running is similar in the sense because unlike running on a road you have a lot of obstacles and you constantly are having to be aware <clears throat> of what's going around you because even if you're not moving that fast you're moving faster than a walk so yeah it's easy yeah, exactly. to trip and fall and bust your ass <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's just and learning how to let go, how to push, what not to push, you know, constantly checking in with yourself and, you know. Yeah. And just a constant checking. Like the other day I went on a long run. It was like a 16-mile run and over 5,000 feet of vert. But it was like the weather was changed throughout the day and just make sure I was, well, new, had enough nutrition and all those kind of aspects as well. Oh, I'm you know? so... And I was all alone, you yeah. know. I was like, oh, well, I got kind of lost because it was like the... It literally was like there was no trail, so I had to navigate to connect this other peak. And they got in the trees, like, well, I'll just go back to the basics and use a compass and oh my gosh, navigate. you know, kind of thing. Like, oh, here we go. This is like that's to me is what the spirit of adventure is. That is and so I cool. I, I'm so <laughs> jealous. I I go on these long runs and you, you comment on one of my runs the other day. And, oh yeah, uh, I did. Yeah, I uh, we just have no elevation here, and there's there's no way to escape urban life which is such a bummer yeah. um but the sound of that i mean that just sounds amazing that is true adventure right there yeah it's just adventure and i was kind of all by myself and it was fun yeah i'm <laughs> sure full adventure and so. so these trips these climbs that you do um especially mm-hmm. in terms of mountaineering it requires a lot of endurance and it requires strength too obviously so what is something that you do to stay prepared for these climbs yeah i mean i constantly I mean, i'm getting older i'm almost 47 and, and so i've really like once i hit my 40s had to really focus on not so much the athleticism i had but more the strength and really being in tune with my body like okay i need to do this strength training so i, f- I spend more time strength training because i have a lot of the physical aspects and the athleticism and technique but it's just the strength that can be depleted so I really focus on a lot of strength training. Okay, so, so is it just, yeah. do you do, is it dumbbell work? Is it compound movements? Or yeah, I do a lot of uh, compound and complex workouts, and most because I'm kind of ADHD, so I can't do a lot of rest. So like compound is like, you know, doing um, a dumbbell to a shoulder press curl. So right. you're, you're kind of bringing two things together. And in a sense, that's kind of what climbing is as well. There always these compound movements. And then, and also complex movement, meaning that I'm going to do a high strength workout to a high power workout. And those are short term energies, but reduce, mean that impact high um, performance, meaning that 
I can keep this straight for a longer time. So if I'm going to go do like a road trip or a climbing trip or stuff, I can do a workout week before and still maintain my strength over a week. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. And climbing is a lot of short bursts of energy. Yeah. Whether that be a a dynamic movement or just moving along a a route. I mean, it's little bursts and then like you kind of hang out and then you move through. Um, It's a very unique style of a like a physical activity it's not just like continuous yeah it's just yeah it's just very complex movement very stuff you know and and that's kind of what i i'm known for teaching uh the micro mechanics of climbing okay so understanding what actually controls a single move and so when i i'm asked to go teach a lot of these uh, movement classes at the kraken classics or different climbing events um, I'm really people really come to my movement class and I teach about like how you know our lats or our scapula or our pec minor muscles actually control our single moves so like so once you understand and identify what is the actual control of the movement your overall movement becomes more efficient and you're more aware and you climb more efficiently so I'm sure that changes the way that people train like in the gym outside the gym yeah yeah, you know, focus on how a m- movement is, and uh, and again, you can actually, and I've to be uh, like I've taken that to my own trail running training programs. Like, how are my hips in place? How is my breathing? Where yeah. am I breathing from? How am I striking? How is my stride? So it's like it's kind of interesting. I think that's what's drawing me back to trail running. Is like, oh, there's all this new knowledge that I've learned from climbing that I can apply to this as well. Right. You know, how to be more efficient. And so with climbing itself, is just understanding, you know, our, how we make our body move as one single unit is by understanding what controls the actual individual movement. Oh, so, that's very interesting. Yeah. 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 I feel like that's not really talked about as much. It's more so just how, how everything is one, you know, and not like the yeah. little individual parts of it. Yeah, so like, you know, if you're doing, and I apply that to the ice climbing I teach, the dry tooling, the youth climbing teams I work with, the USA Youth Ice Team, you know, I developed this program to train them to be up to speed to be able to compete international. And they're like, oh, I kind of know all this stuff. So I've been slowly creating this book for the last like five, six years. That's so About this stuff. (laughs) So, but yeah, I'm just a little slow and procrastinate quite a bit. So (laughs) it's been taking longer than I wanted. When did you, uh, when did you get into coaching? Uh, I would say, I mean, I've been a a climbing guide, which isn't, is totally different from coaching. Right. But I was fortunate I got into uh, guiding when I was 19. Oh, wow. Um, And then I kind of developed my climbing you know like oh i can actually teach about climbing so then when i was like 25 i started actually coaching climbing and that kind of stuff and that really opened up my mind to climbing and coaching because there wasn't a lot of knowledge in teaching climbing like the coaching aspect of it right so seeing an athlete and seeing where they are and where their weaknesses are and where their potential is and then for me it was more about the mentorship and understanding how to translate to teach them how to understand their bodies so they can see their potentials. Oh, that's so, that yeah. I've, yeah. Uh, I used to coach cross country and I coached rowing too. And it, it's one of the most fun things I've ever done because yeah, especially when you can really connect with the athletes, not mm-hmm. just as a coach, but as a, like a friend in a way. And you can bestow upon them like some life lessons and you can yeah. give them little inside tips on what you did in the mm-hmm. same sport um and it's really beneficial to both parties i think 
Yeah, it is. Yeah, it definitely is. And you get so much back that you give in. Right. So, you know, yeah. Have, I think that's really, it's the, the beauty of it. Do you think you became a better climber through coaching? Yeah, to be honest, I did because then it was like, oh, I need to recognize this in myself mm. and then start applying. And then for me, I wouldn't ask the kids to do anything or anybody I'm coaching that I wouldn't do myself. So I really want to understand what it is I'm explaining right. so I can understand where the difficulty is. So help me to be able to communicate what I would like for them to do. That totally, yeah. You know? I uh, When I was coaching, Ro and I had them do a, a dry land workout one day. And it was it was just kind of one I made up on the off the cuff, and I went home later that day and I did it, and it kicked my butt. <laughs> I was like, I, yeah, I came back the next day. I was like, I am sorry, guys. I did not know that was so yeah. hard. No, and I think that's you know that's me. I would work out with my the people I would train. Yeah, you know, and like, oh, I'm going to do the same workout with you. So I understand. Yeah, like, is this possible or not possible, and what is it doing? And you know. And the, and for me, it helped them really connect with me as well. Like, oh, he's doing it. Right. He's struggling. So I should be okay struggling. Because I think that's the key thing is like, especially with the kids, is if they don't really see the struggle that others can do, therefore they're afraid to show their struggles. Right. right? And then they kind of hold see back people, almost because they don't want to get to that tipping hold back. point of struggle. They don't. Yeah. And that's the fear of judgment. You know, that's yeah. where the whole fear of judgment comes in. Um so that's I think that's important. So once you understand that, you like you're open up and your training is much more productive. Yeah, and and climbing's nice too because you you show I'm sure you show them how to do a movement and then you hop off and then it's like they can try it and it's kind of it's a more chill atmosphere and it's great for yeah. coaching I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, like doing demonstrations and then um, I do a couple different things. I do one that has really taken off is this called self-talk it's a drill we do while we're climbing is they have to explain to me what's going on with their body and emotionally as well oh that's so like a like a play-by-play like oh my right foot's going to here because i need to turn my left hip in to reach this hold oh i'm sure that is so so good for awareness and it really helps yeah it makes them more aware and it was interesting how one person this last trip a, a clinic i did she was always getting pumped and then she climbed this route, and she was on the wall much longer than she ever has. She's like, I'm not even pumped. Yeah. It's because she's so focused on how she's moving versus just getting to the top. Oh, you interesting. Know, that's the idea. Is like you're, The goal is not to get to the top. The goal is for you to make each move more efficient and actually understand why you're doing this. Right. Yeah. So, that's, yeah, uh, again, that whole connection. That's something yeah. I've definitely noticed kind of in my own climbing Um that the less I worry about getting to the top and reaching the end, it's a better climb overall. Yeah. Like yeah, when you exactly. just focus on each piece in each mm-hmm. section, um, you get yeah. through it easier. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that whole, it distracts your mind and puts you in a place where you're at just with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you have the, the kids you're coaching, do they do a lot of hangboard workouts as well? Yeah, different different types of workouts. We do hangboards. We'll do um, if it depends if it's rock climbing. We'll do a lot of hangboards, uh, bouldering, uh, isolate, and then we also do a lot of weight training. Really, stuff like with dumbbells, barbells, yeah, and deadlifts. So like key lifts are just and that just helps get the the muscles activated. So I do a lot of what's called muscle activation work. So for watch like kids or adults, and I can kind of watch 
what's going on. Maybe something's not firing in our body. Yeah. We'll go do some band workouts or some deadlift workouts or some different things and it helps fire these other muscles. Therefore, they can move more efficiently by understanding what's not firing. Yeah. So, I, uh, yeah. The guy I had on, he actually told me that deadlifts are a huge exercise for climbing because oh they're huge it allows you to be stronger if you're on like an underhang or something and you have like yeah. your feet hooked up and it allows you to mm-hmm. keep everything tight and actually on the wall yeah yeah it's pretty interesting i was working with one of the he's a usa ice climbing team member um and i went over and we did some assessments and you know he could deadlift a lot but i like okay let's do a single leg deadlift Ooh. And he struggled doing a single lit deadlift. He didn't have the motor mechanic, the balance in it. And uh. he was like, holy shit. I thought I could do this. And like, yeah, that's your weakness right there. Because I was watching how he was climbing. And there was something going on with his hips. He's okay bilateral, but singly, he was, in, he was off balance. And, so and then, balance is key in it. I mean. Balance is key in learning how to drive with the hips. Right. And that's what deadlifting really helps you drive with your hips. Because. All movement begins with how you position your hips and your toe position. So if you position your toe right by pointing your toe, you actually engage the calf, which engages the hamstring, which engages your psoas. And that's, a lot of people just place their feet. Yeah. And wow. move. But if you point your toe, you're actually connected and pulling in, and that engages your core. Therefore, you're already one unit. Wow. So, yeah, see, yeah. It's there's so much information about climbing. There's all these like little details that definitely fall through the cracks when people are demonstrating it or telling you how to do something giving you the beta and you just you just climb and get all pumped up and you're (laughs) like i didn't do that right yeah exactly yeah you got to the top but it wasn't efficient and that's why a lot of clinics i do is like today is not about getting to the top just making each move efficiently and understanding how you're moving yeah i think i think that ideology can be applied to a lot of things because I think there's a lot of people, and I definitely have done this too, where the only thing is just to finish the goal, whatever that may be, whether it be a run, whether it be homework, whether it be climbing something, and Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter about how you do it, it's just getting through it, but when you do that, it's not as valuable, and I think when you actually take the time to do something correctly, you can walk away feeling much better about it. Yeah, so true. It's just that sense of accomplishment, and and it's like this. It's like this awareness within yourself. Yeah. Like, oh, I actually understand what's going on. You know. Totally. And therefore, you it's that confidence boost. Right. And uh, <laughs> yeah. something that I've really started noticing it with is I've gotten into archery, and mm-hmm. I'm I can be pretty OCD, so I don't like to end <laughs> like a a session without getting like a bullseye. And yeah. if I get one. I'll like rethink how I got it. And if I just got it off of luck, I'm like, nope, have to do that one again. <laughs> like I need yeah. to know that I did it the right yeah. way. And I did it because I actually was doing it properly. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important. And that's, uh, you know, there's some drills that we do is for climbing. Um, it's called repeaters. It's like, and understanding like each move, you'll do like the same move over and over, but making sure you're doing it the best way each time. And when you get tired, what is actually failing therefore we can identify your underlying weakness and make that a strength yeah that's so, that's yeah. something i kind of i'll do like laps on a mm-hmm. on the same on the same one and uh i definitely notice how like i 
act differently on the wall when I'm tired and I'm pumped up. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's definitely when you really get good because you learn how to cope with being tired and being pumped and yeah all of that yeah and you know you could apply that to like again other things like with trail running when you're getting tired you get sloppy right but your when feet you go, start dragging you slow it down and start dragging but if you like me i, I kind of internalize and like oh i'm not driving with my hips i'm, mm. I'm lagging so i start really focusing on just the movement yeah you know when i'm getting tired and just focus on movement and breathing and like you know and that helps me a lot and then i do that with my climbing as well it's like i just need to climb efficient steady and consistent right you know not i say don't be in a hurry to fall off is what i tell a lot of people oh i like that <laughs> don't be in, yeah that's good yeah because we do a lot of what's called a the, the pause and go so like understanding like you're me count like one two three move one two three move and you start developing rhythm even though you feel like you're climbing slower, you're actually climbing more efficient because mm. now you're actually learning how to rest in between each move. Oh, so, because it's not necessarily yeah. a race. Yeah, it's not a race. Yeah, you know, unless you're speed climbing. Yeah, it's yeah. A race, but yeah, yeah, we're just trying to climb efficiently. So right. But again, that's where like that's regular climbing. But then if you go into competition climbing, then there is speed aspect as far as like you have a time limit. Yeah. You know, and then it becomes what's called pacing trails. You know, and then understanding how long it takes to hold each hold and how to move efficient and understand how to read. So yeah. there's like different drills, you know, teaching rock climbing or if I teach the competitive ice climbing aspect, there's all these pacing scenarios that we do. So, so yeah. do you, would, do you still compete yourself in competitions? No, not as much. I mean, I would like to again, but I've yeah. kind of just taken a back seat and then, um, yeah, and see what's going on, especially mostly with the ice climbing, competitive ice climbing. You know, I'm kind of like the older person now, and kind of <laughs> a lot of the kids I coach are now up and co- competing and yeah. competing at a really high level. And, and to me, I get a lot more from that. Um, but I would love to go and do like one maybe competition a year if I could. You know, it kind of gives you that like, oh, this is fun. I need to train for this kind of thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely yeah. Well, when you have a goal or something to look forward to, it's definitely easier to get motivated to train. Yeah. And uh, it just gives you a clearer picture of like what you need to do. Mm-hmm. That ice climbing, though, that that scares me. I've, I've never done it, but <laughs> that uh, that is freaky It's a little hard from Florida. <laughs> yeah. we. Uh, I don't think we'll be able to get it down here anytime soon. Yeah. When did you get but, into uh, that? Because if you're, you're coaching I got into US it pretty team. early too. Really? Yeah, I got in about eight, 18, 19 as a climbing guide. Okay. I got asked to come to Ure. I think I wasn't quite 21 because I couldn't drink if I remember. But yeah, I went to Ure Ice, Ure Ice Park and that's where I learned how to ice climb. So I just keep it. I was just hired to come up and just do belaying. And like, oh, this is actually kind of fun. And it's like, yeah. you know, got introduced to screaming barfies, which is like this cold sensation when your hands kind of freezing and then they warm up instantly and you get this extreme painful feeling in your hands oh wow it's pretty crazy yeah so then like this is kind of crazy and then i saw like what's called mixed climbing so you're climbing rocks with your ice tools and like oh i like that and that kind of drew me to that taking climbing to the rock with ice tools and stuff like that yeah and it's yeah it's very different ice climbing to rock climbing because are you looking for certain sections of ice to put your your pick in or how how does it how does it work yeah well that's the thing with ice climbing it changes like every day 
So it's learning how to read the ice. You know, what is going to be well for protecting it if you're leading it? Uh-huh. And how am I going to move efficiently up it where it's not like steep bulges or bring chunks off? What's called dinner plates. You're not going to get chunks coming flying at you. How oh, you yeah, find that's really scary. Efficient. <laughs> yeah, like you could have big chunks come off and hit you and that kind of stuff. But it's like, and then you got to protect your belayers and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think it. you do have to look at where you're going. But the beauty is you can kind of put your tools wherever you want. Right. You that's know, what that's, that's my next question was, yeah. Yeah. You can, but it's like it's not always the best mentality. Okay. Um yeah, cuz it could shatter off a quite a bit and and yeah, I I'm more of a thoughtful climber and the ice tools have definitely helped progress the sport of ice uh, ice climbing because now you can climb more hands-free. So you can climb, I tend to teach more of a rock climbing based movement of ice versus like the standard traditional when we used to have the, um, leashes attached to us. So your climbing was very structured, like in a, an exposition H, but you can climb very d- dynamically and fluidly now with ice huh. and stuff like that. So, That's yeah. crazy. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Is it definitely, <laughs> is it considered the more dangerous aspect of climbing? Oh, yeah, for sure, just because there's so many changing mediums, you know, like from ice, rock could fall, ice can fall, um, sharp objects could hit you, you know, all kinds of different aspects of it. Oh, my gosh. And the falls are very high risk, it falls, you know, so it's just, it's a whole different element of climbing. But you could also do it safely by just top roping. Right. You know, if you go to, like, your ice park or places like that where they offer that kind of ability. Okay. Wait, so, but if you take it into the mountains, it's a whole nother element. Yeah. You know? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So speaking of, of dangerous encounters with uh, climbing, has there been a moment on any particular trip, good or bad, that has changed your climbing or your Ooh. life entirely? Yeah. Um, I think there's actually a story that was wrote. I, wrote, I actually wrote it in Rock and Ice. I think it was two years ago. It's called The Ordeal. Um, you can find it on Rock and Ice um, think it's a webpage but anyways um it was in yosemite and i think it was 97 1997 we're climbing a route called the shield route we we're trying to do um, we think was going to be the, the first or second clean ascent of the route meaning that we weren't going to hammer any pins right so we kind of opted to leave a lot of that stuff behind and just kind of go for it and then we actually were caught in a well my partner had took a he took like a 70 foot fall past me you know, one of the pitches, <laughs> you know, luckily we were off the ground, but he came flying past me and then we were constantly kind of being stopped or halted sometimes because of storms coming in and out. And then one night we just finally had to punch it to a ledge and we got caught in a storm for three, three days. Yeah. Three nights, three days, um, in our portal ledges. And we were very limited to food supplies, meaning we, had only planned to be on the wall for five days, and we actually ended up being on the wall for, I think, 10 or 11 days. Oh, my gosh. Um, so food was limited, and water was limited. And, um, you know, we got caught on this storm, and they sat there, and we were kind of like, and then we were at a place where, like, it's a, we're okay. Like, I'm, I let go, and, like, I'm okay if I die. Like, I let go of that. Wow. You know? And we just kind of sat there and, and weathered out the storm, and ice was constantly falling around us kind of hitting the, uh, the rain flyer on a portal edge. And then when the storm kind of fa- finally lifted, my um, I kind of looked out and we could hear these helicopters coming at the valley, you know, and all, there was like multiple climbers had gotten killed, hikers were killed, 
you know, in this freak storm, we would watch these bodies get picked off at El Cap. And I remember one one time in that morning, a helicopter hovered above us and happened to be somebody I knew who was on Yosar, Yosemite Search and Rescue, and yelled out my name. And I'm like looking out the window and like, he asked if we were alive. And I just kind of remember turning to my partner. I like, I thought it was like surreal. And I was like, are we alive? Are we okay? He goes, yeah, we're good. We'll get ourselves out of this. Like, so I waved off the rescue. I'm like, okay, I guess this is, this is it. This is, you know, we're committed. Oh and, my you know, God. And then later that day, we finally got, we got moved around and my partners got out of the portal edge and he was walking towards me and the ledge we were on was covered in ice and he slipped on the ice and fell off the ledge. But luckily he was tied in, but still, you know, like, oh man, I just thought I just lost my climbing partner. Yeah. You know, and then he kind of pulls himself up and we just kind of remember sitting there and just like, um, just kind of sat there in true vulnerability, just like cried and like, holy shit, man, we're, we got to get out of this, you know, and we haven't, have not had anything to eat in like days, you know, mostly we were eating peanut M&M's like two or three in the morning, two or three in the afternoon, and then licking the water that was running off the wall for water, you know, for days. And then we finally, finally made it to the top and we kind of had to like, his sleeping bag was covered in water, so we slid into my sleeping bag and threw the wet one over us and kind of like weathered the night and it was freezing cold and we finally got up the next morning and started walking. And then when we were walking, I, my ankle gave out. It like fractured my ankle and I fell in a pool of water. And I was literally so depleted, so wasted that I, I don't care. I'm, I'm okay. I'm going to die here. This is a good place. I just laid there in the water. My mouth is covered. And, you know, I start grasping for air. My partner rolls me over. And, like, I was okay to, like, he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> I oh checked out. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so this this is, like, the most epic uh, trip. And then we finally ended up having to crab walk down to the rappels. And then got us, he, he helped me get all the way down, all the rappels. And at the last rappel, he made sure I was okay, and I, and then he turns and he trips and falls and goes tumbling through the trees, and then cuts his ear open. And we have this all on video, and that's what's crazy. Is we have all this on video, and have all these pictures from it, and and it had taken me years to be able to even talk about it. And then, um, but during that trip, we made a pact that no matter what happens, we make sure we bring each other back if something ever happens. And then. In 2006, he was killed in a climbing accident, and then I had to go find him and bring him home. Oh my god! Down to Chico, so it was like that impacted my life. That is that is a harrowing story. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that <laughs> so, that just kept getting worse. This story. It it even gets worse. Like so, during that time that we were battling, uh, a friend had knew we were in dire need of food and stuff. So he hiked up the uh, hiked up. To bring us some food and unbeknownst to us he had taken a fall and slid and lost my car keys and he got knocked out and some japanese climbers had found him and they helped him get down so we're all down and we're going to like this uh manure power butchers picnic area and so a location there with picnickers you know just families kids running around and we're walking out i'm crab walking out of the forest and my friend jimmy's like blood's coming out his side of his face <laughs> you know we've been on the walk for like 10 days or something oh and my i lost so much weight and like these hiker or picnickers are just like looking at us and family and we go to my truck and we couldn't get in because it was uh we had no keys yeah so i ended up we had to I had to break into it an alarm got deactivated 
or got activated and it kills it's like this whole ordeal and all we want to do is eat oh and then some some uh climbers pulled up beside us like you guys okay I'm like i just want something to eat so they gave us like these tortillas and gave us a ride into town or into the village and then we were able to none of us had any money you know because it was we pretty much was gone with everything um and we had my friend Jimmy had to call his wife to have her buy us food at the uh, Dagan's Deli. <laughs> you know, put wow. it on her card over the phone. It was pretty interesting. Yeah, so that's that taught that trip taught me a lot about perseverance and yeah, you know, and true friendship and partnership and true mentorship. And it's kind of um, there's a uh, there is actually a, do- a climbing documentary out about it. It's called the the Mentor. Okay, and you can YouTube it. Uh, and Osprey did. Uh, about a year and a half project of filming me telling this story and going back down to Puerto Chico where I had to f- go down there 10, 11, 10 years ago and find my partner, Jimmy, you know, and bring him back home. Wow. And stuff like that. So, yeah, it's kind of, uh, yeah, it, it definitely changed me as a young adult. And I didn't realize how much it actually, I internalized a lot of that pain from that and then from losing my best friend and right. my climbing partner. Um, and that's why. I do a lot of talks now about grief and my own personal journey through healing of, of that grief of loss of a friend and loss of identity and, and loss of people and things, you know, and grief is really associated with the actual loss, right? And I never really understood what grieving was because I didn't understand the emotional side. So I really struggled with the emotional side of grieving. Yeah. And once I was able to identify and, and have the vocabulary of emotion, I was like, oh, I started like really being aware of more stuff. So yeah, that that trip definitely changed me quite a bit. I'm sure, you know, how, from that. And then, how yeah. long did it take for you to come to the self awareness that you have now about the grief and understanding like how you are emotionally? Yeah, no, it's interesting. It's when we started doing the film project. I didn't. I still was not really aware. And once we started doing the film. Um, you know, my partner died in 2006, and then in 2017 is when we, were, we started working on this film. Okay. And I really had not really opened up and talked about what I emotionally had to deal with. Because going down to go get him, you know, I had to go through all these morgues and find his body and claim him. But I also had to go and climb the route he had passed away on and write up our, uh, our document about it and kind of explain what happened. And so, And then having this direct relationship with your climbing partner like you actually understand how they move how they react when they're stressed and whether or not and for me i could play that in my head over and over mm. to the point when he died he'd fallen and died it's like i understand exactly what he was going through i knew his morning ritual so i kept playing that over in my head and it was a lot of guilt because i was supposed to go on that trip with him but i ended up not going on that trip with him so it's like all this survivor's guilt and and then you know i had found all his equipment and I remember that night at the hotel I had to sit and I, I put myself in the shower and wash all the blood off this stuff and like never told anybody about that yeah. until pretty much the last year so it's taken me over 10 11 years um and then the, once we started doing the film it really opened up this like flood of emotions and like I kind of like made it a goal and it's like kind of the OCD thing like I really want to make myself better mm. and and that's what I did. I just kind of buckled down and really focused on healing me. You know, lost some relationships with it. And um, and then now I've grown some great, amazing relationships with it. Yeah. With, mostly with myself. 
So, and I think that's the key thing is I really understand me now. That's, so. that's awesome. And thank you so much for, yeah. for sharing that. Um, <clears throat> one thing I was, I was watching a interview with two people the other day and one thing one of them said is it's important to take care of yourself first sometimes and to figure yeah. out what's going on with you and that sounds selfish and it's kind of counterintuitive to what we're used to thinking in terms of like we should help others first but to yeah help others it's sometimes more beneficial to make sure you're good and make sure everything with yeah. you is in check and then you can be a better person to those whether it's being a father a husband a friend yeah. whatever once you understand what you're going through and understand how you can handle yourself and your emotions you can be better for other people yeah i mean that's so true it's important to really have that connection with yourself so you can yeah. actually have a connection with others and if you don't have it with yourself you really don't connect with others right so and uh i think a lot of it is like knowing who you are you know like, yeah that is something that i i struggle with and i know a lot of people my age probably struggle with it too because there's so many external like things going off around us constantly especially mm -hmm. in today's age with social media and just the internet and the news and whatnot it's kind of hard to nail down who we are and like what we need to do yeah. and i think when you can figure that out you can just become so successful in, in whatever it is you want to do yeah once you understand how you really work and and uh, it's really your your doors is open up to other stuff right you know but you have to, you have to like, that's the whole thing with the vulnerability. You got to like kind of sit with that darkness sometimes and process it internally. Totally. You know, like for me, I really spent a lot of time healing me physically from the outside, but I didn't spend any time with me phys in internally, you know, healing myself internally. And uh, just because we're kind of programmed or I don't know if we're programmed, but mostly I would say male figures are taught, you know, kind of put those emotions up on the shelf and move on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's okay. Move on with it. You know, but it's not, it's not okay. Actually, we just kind of make it worse for us. And that's why I had to like really let, let go of that mentality and just be okay with myself. You know, sometimes I would, you know, it is like these feelings would just come up and uh, you know, sometimes I'd be driving down the road and it's crying. It's like, you know, yeah. what's going on? I don't know. <laughs> and like, Oh, I totally miss my, my climbing partner, you know, yeah. oh, I miss this. I, you know, it's just grieving, the grieving process, you know, and grief is just, it's so complex. It just kind of comes up in the grieving process. It's kind of can take stuff away from you sometimes, you know, yeah. like that. You'd be happy and all of a sudden like, oh, what the hell just happened? I don't know. Okay, now I'm good. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a, a weird thing. And something that I've kind of found when I'm having if I'm having like feelings of sadness or anything like that, getting away from it all and like kind of escaping into these physical challenges and doing stuff like that, that has been hugely beneficial to me. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you might be able to relate to that too, with like the, the trail yeah. running and the mountaineering and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Trail running for me was like, if for years I've used climbing as a way of like, I could be physically exposed to, um, danger but the emotional side of it was kind of intriguing to me. And then when I started trail running, it really brought out both the physical and emotional side together. And you really had to check in with yourself. Like when you're, 
you know, and it's great to have a running, a running partner. And I, uh, fortunately, when I started trail running again, I had this amazing partner and we kind of worked, helped each other out. Um, and then over the year, I kind of remember going on a trail run one day. And it was like, I just stopped in the middle of it and just started like crying. You know, I had lost my mom, but I never really truly grieve her loss just because of some childhood stuff and trauma. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it just kind of came up on a run one time. It was like, what the hell is this? And I finally yeah. understood what was going on. It's like, I, I just sat there and gave myself some time and like, it was there. And then I went about my run and I came back and I was like, felt like a totally another person. Yeah, like, it's so oh, it's so just on that trail run. Yeah, it's it's so weird what what happens to like our brains when we allow ourselves to be disconnected and we put it through some physical struggle and you kind of conquer it like what comes out of it. It's, yeah, it's really beautiful yeah. sometimes. It is so beautiful. It's and it, you have to, and that's the thing you got to sit with that emotional darkness sometimes. Yeah, just let it be present. Don't don't you know repre- don't suppress it let it just be there and it's okay yeah i think suppressing uh your feelings is one of the worst things you can do letting them out is so beneficial from just the health standpoint when you put all that down it's just not good for you no it's not good for you at all and and, but so many of us do it and especially as americans and and more young americans too and, and older americans but mostly you know it's like sometimes the social media aspect now is kind of like I wouldn't say it's a defining people, but people are allowing it to define themselves. Yes. And when yeah. You know, they're getting lost in that trying, finding their own identity. And it's some stuff I struggle with quite a bit. <laughs> so, yeah, it's yeah. It, it's definitely something that I, uh, I'll i find myself getting stuck in and I'll kind of have to make myself get pulled away from it because it does, it almost like it tries to fit you into a box. Yeah. And yeah. you start to allow yourself to be put into this box just because that's like what social media has had you do and uh it's kind of ridiculous i mean it is ridiculous Mm -hmm. it is yeah yeah totally is ridiculous so yeah yeah um well so another question i had on a different note is what since obviously you've been coaching for a long time what is one piece of advice you would give to climbers who are just starting out whether they're 10 years old or 50 years old? Mm-hmm. Uh, the key thing for that is your body awareness. Like, understand mm-hmm. where your limitations are and be open to having weaknesses. You know, train your weaknesses. Yeah. So, meaning that maybe your footwork is not great. Maybe the reason your footwork is not great is because your toes are so weak. You know, think about those. Think about, like, the underlying problem and be okay in working on your weaknesses to make them your strength. And focus on good movement versus, again, like we're talking about, don't be so concerned about getting to the top or the grades. Right. Understanding how things work with you. Like you climb you. Don't climb the way other people climb. Oh, that's, that's, a, so that's, that's a good point. So, yeah, so that whole body awareness, you know, climb the route for you and how you climb, not how others climb it. Yeah, I think so. that that's definitely something that happens is you see someone climb a certain way and you think oh that's the way that i should do it because they got to the top and then yeah you're not climbing it the way that you should climb it right yeah 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 so it's uh, so important (laughs) what is uh is there a weakness in your climbing that you've recognized and had to work on over the years 
Uh, my thing was, again, it's going back to that being patient. I used to be kind of impatient. Oh. And like, you know, I think that was a thing I was struggling with a lot. And because I had more of a speed climbing kind of background, I was like, oh, I got to get to the top fast. But now I've kind of like learned to be in tune with my body. And I focus on like how to actually rest while I'm climbing. You know, how to be like the laziest climber, but yeah. still move efficiently. And then especially in competitions, um, sometimes I would just like forget all about that and like try to climb as fast as I could. But it's like, oh, just stop and don't be in a hurry to fall off. I have to like tell myself that. <laughs> I, that's a, that's such a great quote, and that could be that could be used for so many things. Don't be in a hurry to fall off. It's awesome. Yeah, it could be totally. Uh, yeah, and I say it sometimes. Some people get annoyed with it, but they're like, yeah, it's the truth, and I tell myself that. Like, yeah, you know, if I'm on a you know a long route, I'm like, just be patient, be relaxed, and be calm yeah you know do you check in with yourself have that internal talk with yourself right do you have any um goals for for this year any big trips coming up that you want to accomplish well you know big trips for me is is, i'm very grateful where i live it's out to the desert i've been developing this kind of climbing zone kind of by myself but kind of going back there and getting some um red points on this route i had established a couple years ago and it's like a three or four pitch route and then putting up new routes out in the desert area um so that's kind of like my my main focus this fall is trying to do that so i've been kind of back in the training i kind of took a year off from climbing just to let my body heal and recover and i'm back to training again i want to be able to climb up to you know back up to the grades 13 plus 14 wow it's kind of what i want to be at again yeah both tried and sport so i want to be able to climb those grades again so that's my focus this year that's awesome what yeah. what is uh the process like for establishing these new routes out there you know the beauty of that is like um seeing like the vision so that's like my process first is like looking at the routes and seeing how the rock is dictating the movement and seeing if it's doable so how do I connect these sections? So I tend to like when I'm coaching climbing or teaching climbing, I tell people I see routes in triangles. So I can kind of see how handholds connect to my feet and make this triangle. And then I start connecting triangles all the way up the routes. Oh, that is fascinating. So, and it's kind of like I see things in percentages and triangles. I don't know if that's me, but I can see triangles. I can see like, oh, I need 80% here, 20% there kind of thing with footwork, tension, and that kind of stuff. That's how I read movement. Wow, that is so. That's a very uh, that's interesting because that's more of a scientific way of looking at it in a way. Yeah, like with yeah, triangles. I can kind of see like triangles and tensions and, and vector lines and from a physical aspe- a physics aspect. Yeah, um, it's kind of interesting. Like, oh, I need this much body with my hips in this way because it changes my plane of uh, trajectory, trajectory, and that kind of stuff. So right, and then from yeah. there you just connect the dots, and next thing you yeah, know, you have a, a new route. You have a route. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like I have a route that I put up. It's called Pandora's Box here in my home crag. And I did it ground up and had never even been on it. Just uh, like started off the ground and like put it up on lead because I could see how things were going to connect. Yeah. And just started connecting it. And, and now it's like, not because I put it up, but it's like one of my favorite routes because we named it Pandora's Box because every section is like a new way of climbing. So it's really cool. It's like you keep opening up this box, Pandora's box. How is the whole time you're climbing? Zero. How is it so, a new way of climbing each section? Like what differs about it? So it's, there could be like there's a section that's very limited hands and feet. It's all kind of frictionless. Mm-hmm. 
and then it gets steeper and it becomes more powerful and uh, thought provoking. Then he comes over a roof, and then it's like long kind of crack sections. Wow! So huh. it's kind of interesting. Yeah, That's cool. <laughs> what kind of like kind of all different styles? Yeah, yeah. What kind of height is a uh, are a lot of the climbs near you? Like what type of elevation? Uh, that one is uh, it's a thirty five meter route. So it's, um, that one's because a full seventy will get you up and down, right at seventy meters. Okay. And in some other routes, we have an area like over 100 meters. Oh my gosh! That kind of stuff. So we have we have three and four pitch routes near us. That is so cool. That kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> kind of fortunate where we where I am in Colorado. So yeah, definitely yeah. gets get, gives you a lot of ample <laughs> training space. Yeah, exactly. Like right here, I can just run out in five minutes. I can be climbing. Really? You know, two three pitch routes. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, I have to drive like 25 yeah. minutes to go to a climbing gym. <laughs> <laughs> yeah where are you at in florida exactly so uh jacksonville florida so it's okay, north Jackson, florida yeah yeah so uh the closest yeah. real rock i'm pretty sure there i think there might be some in georgia um but the the best would probably be like chattanooga in tennessee okay yeah yeah t wall yeah 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 in new river gorge is that it i think i think Sometimes, yeah yeah um I, yeah. I haven't been up there yet i'm hoping to go up there this fall though that that would be fun oh nice yeah that'd be fun yeah i'll be in west virginia in a couple of weeks teaching at a crag and classic there oh, okay the New Gorge. so do you yeah. do you travel a lot so, around the country teaching these? I, I do yeah yeah i teach yeah i travel quite a bit like uh this weekend i'm doing a race in salt lake and then on monday through thursday i'm teaching a dry tooling clinic oh, okay. similar. what's what's the so race in, in, uh... in salt lake city it's uh called the Cirque series run of uh, races and it's like a series of um they're all peak running so that is yeah. so cool it's like it's all about vert so this one's eight miles with three thousand feet of vert Ooh. so yeah <laughs> so, wow yeah the last one i did like killed me i'm like so i've been training vert so and i like look i can look out my window now and see this run i do it's like three miles and you get 1500 feet of vert in so wow yeah it's pretty steep so are you so are I you mean, even worried about pace on that or are you just trying to complete it uh it's it's more pacing yeah because i'm actually using this as a trainer for a big run i'm doing on labor day weekend i'm doing a 60k or 40 mile run so yeah what, so where will that be that. that's in crested butte oh okay and that starts at like ten thousand feet goes up to 12 so you're running at high altitude. Wow. And then, yeah, and then a couple weeks after that, I'm going to do a 100-mile run, a rate, or fast pack. So I'm going to drop in and do a 100-mile trail section as fast as I can. So it maybe take me like two days or three days, but just try to complete that. So will so, you... Uh, try to climb peaks along the way. <laughs> will so, you camp along the yeah. way or will you stay in like a... Yeah. No, this camp, it's like, there's it's complete remote wilderness. There's no... Wow. H's, no, it's just all wilderness there's hopefully no one on the trail but maybe there is but yeah i'm just going to drop in and then come out and hopefully someone picks me up <laughs> that's so, crazy yeah yeah so that's kind of like been my it's been a, a dream of mine a goal of mine i've been wanting to do and kind of put it aside 20 years ago and like now i'm kind of back to where i can have that um doable yeah. for me. and then so, leadville yeah. 100 that's this weekend right i think it is yeah have you ever yeah. done that one yeah no, um, I need. I have. Ne- I got to do some of the qualifiers, but I'm pretty keen on doing that. Oh, I didn't know you had to qualify yeah. for it. I thought it was just. Yeah, there's some. And I think there's some qualifiers you have to do to be able to do it. Um, yeah. 
So some of these, that's why I'm trying to do in these other runs and races that get me, gotcha. call, or, you know, have that in my um, bag of stuff that I've done. So yeah, these yeah. uh those types of races are something that I definitely would love to get to in the future. But I, I would definitely have to move somewhere that has a little more elevation <laughs> <laughs> change. Yeah, you would have to definitely train in elevation. It's a it's a key. It's a game changer. Yeah, altitude running. Then, then <laughs> I could so. come back to Florida and just be supreme athlete crushing yeah exactly that would be epic <laughs> yeah yeah like i've been going up to eleven thousand feet and running there like sometimes three and six six miles just for training and i come wow. back down and i live at seven thousand feet so yeah seven thousand so feet though helping. i mean that's still pretty high that's pretty high yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i'm like oh it, yeah it's pretty normal for me <laughs> it's so, crazy I, yeah. I love it though <laughs> um yeah well that that kind of wraps up any questions awesome. i had was there anything you had any questions about or anything you wanted to get in no i think i mean i really appreciate you reaching out and it was kind of like it's really cool to share stories and hear like your perspective you know you're coming from florida and then coming from you know where i'm at and it feels like you're, you're getting into climbing more intro running so it's like we have two of the same passions yeah so i thought that was a really cool connection yeah and what i guess my question would be what kind of drew you to want to talk to me so yeah. um, I was fortunate enough to become part of the Osprey Pro program through my photography. Oh, okay. And yeah. I, uh, I was looking through their website and just I was looking at all the ambassadors and, and I, I found your name and I saw that you were a climber and I read a really interesting article that was titled Marcus Garcia, like the best climber that you've probably never heard of or it was something it was something oh, yeah. like that yeah and i was like oh that's yeah. awesome i was like that's just such a cool um, <laughs> that's a cool article and then i would i was i'm gonna reach out and see if i can get him on the podcast oh man appreciate it yeah, yeah it was really good yeah yeah osprey has been they've been a great support yeah through. they're an awesome company yeah, they're, they're amazing very yeah. very cool so yeah well thank so, you and, and yeah yeah i was gonna yeah, go ahead. Oh, i was gonna say thank you so much for uh for jumping on i I know it's hard to schedule with time zones and <laughs> yeah. All no, I appreciate it. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, so. thank you so much. Yeah, well, thank you so much. We're look forward to hearing this later. So. Yes.